Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening on this Thursday, thanks for having us part of your day. We appreciate it. Get a hold of us, 936-6262. That's our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasco. We always love your thoughts on everything going on and lots going on today. This show is brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and you'll receive a free $25 sports bet. We'll get to the depth chart and everything going on for the Riders Red Blacks game tomorrow. Lots going on in the world of sports uh, and a lot's going on in the show. We got a full show, so we got to get right to it. Chicago Blackhawks have traded forward Alex Debrinket to Ottawa in exchange for a seventh and 39th overall pick in the draft, which goes tonight in Montreal, and a 2024 third rounder. The the Blackhawks also talking about Kirby Dock, the former Saskatoon Blade on the trade block, so stay tuned for that. Rangers have traded goaltender Alexander Gorgiev to Colorado in exchange for three picks. The Rangers will get a third and a fifth round selection in the 2022 NHL draft, as well as a third round pick in next year's draft. So it looks like Darcy Kemper is out as the goalie of the Colorado Avalanche won't re-sign there. We'll see where he goes. Maybe Edmonton, although Jack Campbell's been mentioned there. Chris Letang's not going anywhere. The veteran defenseman and the Pittsburgh Penguins agreeing to a six-year, $36.6 million contract extension. The Las Vegas Aiders are naming Sandra Douglas Morgan as the team's new president. Uh, she is the uh, former Nevada Gaming Control Board chairperson. Uh, she becomes the first black woman to assume the role in league history. So there you go. Black team president. The, Al Davis was always about that with Art Shell, And he gave, um, uh, what what's her name? She's coming on the show here too. Amy Trask. She was one of the first female executives in the NFL uh, she's now a, CB, a CBS Sports Network. The Ontario Hockey League Board of Governors unanimously approving the transfer ownership of Niagara Ice Dogs to a group consisting of minority stakeholder uh, Wayne Gretzky. So there you go. Gretzky is into the uh, game of hockey as an owner. We will keep our eyes on the TV in the control room here and on what's going on in the NHL as... Um, the draft goes down in Montreal. Last time the Habs had a first overall pick, it was Doug Wickenheiser who went first to the Canadians in 1980. See if they keep it, maybe take Shane Wright or trade it. We shall see. Uh, Saskatchewan's two provincial powerhouses will go head-to-head in a new year-long competition this season, showcasing the best in university athletics and reigniting a regional rivalry with national implications. The U of S and the U of R including the Cougars and Rams, uh, will uh, 
face off against the uh, U.S. and the U Prairie Challenge, a celebration and competition spotlighting the province's two U Sports athletic programs and the elite student athletes that are the pride of both institutions. Now, the new point-based annual competition will kick off this year on Football Day in Saskatchewan. That's when the Huskies and Rams battle at Mosaic Stadium in Regina and will conclude with the Huskies and Cougars clashing in a women's hockey season finale at the Saskatoon Merlis Belcher place on February 5th. In all, 18 games in five sports will be played between the two provincial rivals. Like I said, football, hockey, soccer, basketball, and volleyball. The winner of the U Prairie Challenge shall be the school that gets the most points using a special scoring system. Now, I didn't see if they're getting a trophy, but I'm sure there will be something attached to the notoriety of winning the um, newly created, at least for these two schools, Prairie U Prairie Challenge, as they like to call it. Okay, by the way, I want to thank Global Television for having me on. I'm going to do that once a week, every Thursday, teeing up the Ryder game. If you missed it, it's all over socials. You can check it out at my Facebook page, uh, Sucker for free, uh, free Publicity Zinger. I'm always a sucker for free publicity, <laughs> not going to lie to you. Hey, we're also playing uh, some Sastel Pick the Score oh, later on today okay. as well. So Okay, keep we'll do that after, right after 5 o'clock when yeah. we hear from Cody Fajardo. Lots of audio to get to. Glenn Suter, Rash Madani. The U16 football team won again. Dave Roberts from Melford is the coach. We'll hear from him talking about that. All right, so... Let us get to the rider depth chart. And basically, it stays the same except for Andrew Lauderdale. He's in for Taryn Vaughn, who uh, missed all of last season with a shoulder injury, has a shoulder problem right now. I don't know really the extent. Coach Dickinson will fill us in in a little bit. But here's Andrew Lauderdale after practice talking about reinserted, being reinserted back into the lineup at left tackle. Yeah, it's definitely uh, exciting, you know, uh, bringing Lottie back to the potty. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a fun time, especially playing next to Furlan again. Anyone down, next man up. Like, we, anyone's ready to go. We're like, we're always ready to go. It's next man up mentality. How much does last year's experience help you when you get a call like this? Uh, it definitely helps. Just, like, I'm not as nervous as last year. Last year was was not expecting that. This, uh, this time I kind of saw it. But, yeah, just less nervous. I don't know. It's just, an, just another game. Uh, last year, starting... 13, 14 games, just used to it. Um, yeah. Are you prepared for the long term or the short term start? I'm prepared for both, either. Because yeah. Yeah. You know, we know what happened with Vaughn last year with his shoulder. Yeah. Concern. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, hopefully Vaughn can come back. Hopefully his shoulder's fine, but uh, we'll see. What's it like as a player for, to get to start so many games last year with then come in and have to kind of get back to a backup role again? Um, it's kind of disappointing, but uh, like I'm here for this this spot, this uh, position, just waiting for my time, and uh, this time's this week. So, how are yeah. you going to be different this year? Uh, just going to be more focused, uh, communicating better with teammates. Um, yes, yeah, but it. Last be more year, physical. when you were interviewed, when you first got here, you said, uh, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm a good run blocker, still figuring out the pass block, and you figure you figure you got that nailed down. Oh uh, yeah, I think I got a better better hold of that this year. Feel like you got enough reps in and everything this week of practice? Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel like got enough reps in. 
Man of not too many words, but hopefully Andrew Lauderdale's a guy of action. Like I said last year, he said, I know I'm a good run blocker. I'm still not that confident in my pass blocking or something to that effect, but you heard me ask the question, and he feels much more confident. He's in at left tackle, Furlan back at left guard, Bandy his third start at center, uh, Evan Johnson the right guard, and a Ty Rogers still going in at right tackle. They still like him. They're like, yeah, he takes penalties, but he's aggressive, so we'll see how that goes. Of course, we know Fajardo with the wonky knee at quarterback. Morrow at tailback. He'll split time with Hickson. Awachi is starting at fullback, but uh, James Tuck, his running mate in the backfield, is out. Mm-hmm. But now we get to see Bruno LaBelle at fullback. And then the receiving core is the same. Picton and Prawl, McKinnis, Duke Williams will play. And uh, Kean Schaefer-Baker, Emelis Comes in as a backup receiver at times. Uh, He'll sub in, and so will Tevin Jones with a big 40-yard catch down the right sideline in that game against Montreal. Defensively, Pete Robertson, Garrett Marino, Lanier, and Leonard will start. They're backed up by Adams, DeBeer, uh, Brown, and Daly. As uh, out of the lineup is Demarcus Christmas, and also out is uh, Charleston Hughes is out of the uh, lineup. He's Like I said, he's more... A player coach, but we get to see the former uh, Arizona Cardinal and Tennessee Titan Miles Brown now maybe get an opportunity to play in the interior number 97 off and rotating with uh, Lanier the second. We're going to hear from their defensive line coach Ben Olson a little later on in the show. Nothing uh, changing in the linebacking core. Middle, it's Sankey on the outsides. Will, it's Larry Dean and Derek Moncrief, and then your corners are Nick Marshall, five of his 13 interceptions have been brought back for touchdowns. We know the pick six last game, and when we talk about Marshall with that pick six, uh, his rate of returns for touchdowns is now number one all-time in CFL history among players with 10-plus at 38.5% of his total. He's also uh, number one all-time with a pick six every 9.6 games in his CFL career. The halfbacks, Milligan, who's my favorite uh, secondary player so far for the Riders, Adam as the free safety, and then uh, Henderson, who had a great game of fumble recovery, batted one down, got caught for a ticky-tack pass interference call that I don't think was really his fault. And then the uh, kicker is going to play despite some roughed-up hands and a and yeah. a, a calf injury on the left side is plant leg. Brett Lothar is going to play. Of course, he missed a 40, I want to say he missed a 48-yard field goal, but he made uh, 57, tying his career long. Vedvik will punt, and Jorgen Hughes Will long snap. So that is your rider mm. depth chart and audio form. You can probably find it on their webpage. What do you think of the changes? Yeah. It's nice to have continuity for the most part. LaBelle's a nice uh, fullback and he's got some athleticism. And then uh, we've seen Lauderdale before. Yeah, and also uh, Nelson Lacombo, he is going to be uh, he's playing. The, yeah, he's playing this week and kind of sucks for him. That's what happens when your defense is playing so well. Yep. I mean, Amari Henderson balled out last week, so Amari's going to stay at that halfback spot. Jeremy Clark's going to stay at that corner spot that Nelson Lacombo previously occupied to start the year. So I was kind of thinking maybe they were going to move Jeremy Clark back to halfback and then Lacombo back at the corner. But like I said, when the defense is playing so good, don't mess with it. One of the biggest lies in sports history is you can't lose your job to an injury. 
Yes, you can. Yeah, we just saw it happen here. Well, Drew, uh, Drew Bledsoe famously lost his job to Tom Brady, mm-hmm. right? We've seen a lot of guys. Don Mikowski lost his job to Brett Favre. That's right. Breaking the, his leg yeah, the against mag- the Bengals in 92. That's right. The Magic Man. And then Favre was born. A star A Favre was born. Uh, but yeah, so uh, LaCombo is still going to have a, a, a great career ahead of him. And he is going to be a special teamer and sub in in certain packages. All right, when we take a break... And come back on the other side, our clutch performance for Nick Service. And we'll hear our Peter's Puck segment with Peter Lubardius. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. He catches this one out in front. High and deep to left field and gone. Number 13 for Bo Bichette and the Blue Jays have the lead. Not a big fan of Bo Bichette. Something about him bugs me. Just looking at him bugs me. But, man, he can play baseball, and he hit the ball there for a uh, game-winning solo shot over the left field wall. Is called by Dan Chulman on TSN. I checked that. It wasn't TSN. It was uh, Sportsnet. It was in the top of the eighth. Blue Jays salvaged the win in Oakland on Wednesday afternoon, and they start a four-game set in Seattle tonight against the Mariners. Anytime we talk about the Sports Cage Clutch Performance, we'll tell you it's brought to you by our friends at Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Let's talk hockey with NHL broadcaster Peter Labardius. Nobody knows the game at all levels like Peter. From the Regina Pats broadcast booth to being a leading voice on Calgary Flames Radio. This is Peter's Puck. All right, trying to get a hold of Peter Lubardius as we get ready to talk some NHL. It is the uh, NHL draft tonight. Lots of trades, lots of movement, things going on. There are some coveted UFAs that are out there that, who knows, maybe their rights will get traded. Uh, We'll tell you about some of the trades right now as we try to get a hold of Peter. The Chicago Blackhawks have traded forward Alex DeBrinket, who had a great year, to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for the 7th and 39th overall picks in this year's draft and a third rounder in 2024. I'm also hearing Kirby Dock is on the uh, docket, so to speak, the former Saskatoon Blade player. It's kind of weird that they get rid of DeBrinket and have uh, Kirby Dock in any type of trade rumor mill when they're probably going to be clearing out Kane and Taves next year uh, $21 gone, but maybe they're going with a full-on rebuild, just cleansing of the palate there in the Windy City. The New York Rangers have traded goalie Alexander Gorgiev to Colorado in exchange for three draft picks. The Rangers will get a third and a fifth round selection in the 2022 draft, as well as a third round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. It's part of the deal. Um... And Chris Letang is not going anywhere. The veteran defenseman and the Penguins agreeing to a six-year, $36.6 million contract extension less than a week before he was slated to hit the open market as a free agent. So, yeah, there you go. We've got uh, some NHL things going on. We will uh, await to uh, see what else happens. Like I said, you got some coveted free agents out there. Patrice Bergeron's a guy who's getting a little long in the tooth. There's a Claude Giroux kicking around out there. Got traded from Philly to Florida, but he's a UFA. Some say if the Oilers don't get Kane, they'll go after him. Evander Kane at 31. Oilers would like to have him back, but not over five years. Evgeny Malkin, does he stay in Pittsburgh or does he move on? 
He might be moving on, and that would uh, break up the tandem of, of Jenny Malkin and our friend Sidney Crosby. So stay tuned. Looks like with Gorgiev getting traded from the Rangers to Colorado, Darcy Kemper, Stanley Cup winning goalie now, Saskatoon Blade goalie, is going to be a free agent as he's not going to re-sign in Colorado. Does he end up in Edmonton? Do the Oilers go after Jack Campbell? They... Uh, they got to do something in their uh, net there for sure in Edmonton, getting to the West Final, but then no match for the Colorado Avalanche. All right, Zinger, we're going to switch gears here now. Uh, the Riders had an announcement as it relates to the Grey Cup. How about we uh, go with uh, Craig Reynolds, the president of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as I get my astute... Pr- oh, you got him. Okay, we got him then. We got Peter Lubardius sliding late. We'll hold off on Reynolds till later in the shows. There was an announcement about some uh, some gaming and some technological sports advancement display, and they had uh, something with regards to youth football players learning from the pros at the Grey Cup coming up here in November. So quite interactive stuff. It's going to be great, but... We did have the Peter's Puck segment. He is here now. Peter Lubardius, color commentator with the Calgary Flames uh, Radio Network, joining us. Pete, thanks for taking time out of your offseason. It is a, a busy night in the NHL. We saw Ottawa get uh, Alex Debrinket yeah. for, for some draft picks. Good for Ottawa. Are you surprised Chicago deals Debrinket? I am. I understand that Chicago is probably going into Michael, uh, you know, a pretty healthy, true rebuild. And it's going to be interesting, you know, Kirby Doc, the former Saskatoon Blade star, his name has come up a lot in the last couple of days. But that one took me by surprise today. Yeah. 30 and 40 goal guys are not easy to find. Well, here's my thing, Pete. If you're going for a rebuild, why not wait till next year when Taves and Kane, you can get them off the books, uh, remove $21 million, you keep the brinket. Why would Kirby Doc be mentioned anywhere unless they want to quote-unquote tank it for uh, for like a guy like Bedard? Like, I don't get that. If you're building, wouldn't you build, like you said, around the brinket, around uh, Kirby Doc? Well, the other thing, though, about the brinket is when you put a team together in the salary cap era, like things have to fit. Yeah. So to bring it has one more year after this year, and depending where you are in your evolution, then you're going to have to make a decision on who you're going to sign. Now, you talked about Kane and Taves, um, you know, and Jonathan, to me, certainly isn't quite at the level that Patrick still continues to be at. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting decision for both of those guys because, you know, even going forward, I don't think you'd want to lose both of them, Michael. I really don't. Um, Because the one thing that sometimes people don't think about enough in terms of rebuilding your team, Mm -hmm. well, you can't scrap everyone because you still need good people and some good veteran people to help your new people. Yep. So, so to me, there's a bit of a mix and a match in terms of what works there and what doesn't. So I'm not a big proponent necessarily in tearing it to the ground. I find sometimes when all you do is tear it to the ground, you know what you keep doing? Carrying it to the ground again <laughs> yeah. about three years later yeah. because you don't have any stability. You don't win. 
you know, listen, you know, Chicago's going to get a number seven pick tonight. And they're going to get a good player at that spot. But they're they're not going to get a generational player at that type of spot. So, you know, Kyle Davidson in his first full year is their new general manager. They have some good pieces to work with. I do wonder about this, though. The Seth Jones at nine and a half long term. That better get better in a hurry. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Gorgiev goes from the Rangers to Colorado for a pick, so that signals that Darcy Kemper, after winning the Cup, is going to be on the free agent market. Uh, are you surprised by that move, and where do you think Kemper ends up? I'm not completely surprised by that move. I, I see a situation where I'm sure they like Georgiev, and they probably quite like Franzos and probably think at least, you know, in the interim that one of those two guys after probably a very tandem like approach in the regular season will have a chance to become a number one guy. That's, that's what you'd hope for. Um, where Mr. Kemper ends up. Well, maybe he goes to your favorite team. That I don't know if that's out of the realm. I don't, think Toronto would be out of the realm. I don't think lots of places Mm. would be out of the realm if you're looking for, you know, Darcy's a very, Darcy to me has had elite times in his career. One particular elite season in Arizona when he was at about 930 save percentage wise. But to me, he's more of a steady Eddie, give you some, you know, he'll give somebody 50 probably to 55 games where, you know, they're going to get something pretty solid. Is he better than Jack Campbell? Um, I don't think so necessarily, no. Okay. Uh, no, I'm a little I'm a little biased. I've been watching him for a long yeah. time. He's a good Saskatoon guy, as you know. Yeah. Um, and again, what do you have to pay? Yeah. If he wants $6 million a year like Grubauer, well, guess what? That's why Colorado got out of that market. Yeah. They can't do that. They they probably would have loved to have maybe kept him. But at a certain point, as you know, you can't keep everybody. And you can't keep everybody on teams like that. Will the Flames keep Johnny Hockey? Well, you know, I chatted with the general manager the other day. And, you know, not like he gave me, you know, all the goods, but I will say this. There is no doubt after that conversation I had with Brad Treleving on Saturday is this. They have done everything in their power, Michael, to keep him in Calgary for the next eight years. And and I think from a Flames perspective, you know, Brad didn't say this. It was more about my read in the conversation, and it wasn't just about that stuff. It was about some other stuff I was chatting with him about. You know, not just Gaudreau and Kachuk, but some other team stuff. Um, but it's hard because they've done all they can do. Trust me. So Johnny won't. Johnny will not not come back to Calgary because he doesn't like Calgary or he doesn't like being a flame or he's not going to like. He's going to make more money in Calgary than anywhere else. But as you, as we talked about on your show a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say the same thing. He's having a baby. He's very close with his family. You get kind of one opportunity like this to potentially set everybody up to make everybody happy, including his new wife, who's not from downtown Calgary. 
Yeah, good point. So, uh, lastly, does that affect what uh, Kachuk, uh, what his future looks like, depending on what happened with Johnny? Well, I, you know, I think I've said this on your show before, too. With Matthew, it's it's been pretty simple for me, and whether, you know, Johnny has a say in it or his situation has a say in it or not, I don't know how you keep both those guys in and around $10 million a piece. I, I honestly... I'm not paying that to both those guys. I'm not. That's just me. No. That'll get me in trouble, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. I'm a lot more likely to do it in Matthew's case, but I, I need to know he's committed to be a Calgary Flame for a long time. And if he's not, I'm probably looking to move. Good point. But it sounds today that the general manager made it very, you know, passionately known that you know Matthew like Johnny they're doing everything they can to keep both of them so we'll see how it goes is Shane Wright in about a half an hour or so is he the first overall pick to the Habs I think so I think so but don't don't sleep on Montreal doing something different don't sleep on it I do know this I've talked to enough people um, that that decision for them is very difficult. And I think part of it is, I don't know if they can even sell themselves to go in the way of either Slavkovsky or Cooley without potentially getting another piece. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll find out here because it's right away. Thanks for your time, Pete. Enjoy. Uh, you're at a basketball game, are you not? Yeah, I'm watching Canada and France play at Global Jam. Awesome, and how's that going? It's going really good. Yeah, I've yeah. been here three days in a row, and you know me, if it wears red and white and I can attend, pretty good chance. Yeah, right? that's what I love about you. You love sports, all sports. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Okay, pal. Be well. Have a great week. Yeah, another uh, edition of Peter's Puck and, I guess, basketball. We'll be back with Victor Quee from the Edmonton Elks. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Who are you betting on tonight? The Edmonton Elks? The Calgary Stampeders? You can put your money down. Should be a pretty good football game. The Elks coming off a big and surprising victory in Hamilton. Surprising to many in the league, but maybe not our next guest on the Western Pizza Hotline, the president of the Edmonton Elks, Victor Quee. Victor, were you surprised your team came up with a victory in Hamilton last week? Well... I feel like that's a bit of a trick question. Um, <laughs> surprised. You know what? I was hopeful that we were going to win. I was confident that, that, that coach had put together the, the, the right team. And, but our defense really came out to play. They really made a difference in the game. It was amazing to see our Canadian quarterback, Trey, handle the pressure really well and, and get his first CFL win. So all of that kind of coming together was great. But, you can never be too overly optimistic about your wins or your losses and what you accomplish on the field. Because the fact of the matter is, by the time our players get on there, my job is basically done. I can't affect the outcome anymore. 
You guys are in the business of winning football games, but I've been through a Chris Jones rebuild here in in Regina and in Saskatchewan. He takes over the team. He totally revamps it. They play hard. Maybe not early season success in terms of the wins and losses, but by the end of the year, nobody wants to play the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders back then. And the next year, they take a step forward, make the playoffs, make a good run. Then the third year, they're really competitive. When you sat down with Chris Jones, is that kind of how the, the match of this went like what what do those talks look like at the start well you know coach and I talk every day so you know we talk about a bunch of things but early on I mean six months ago one of our earlier conversations I remember I was asking him I said hey coach like I don't mean to tell you how to do your job or whatever but just educate me and help me understand why are we signing um, more mature players and receivers as an example you know like just shouldn't we be building a younger team that's how i thought it goes and this is where the genius of coach jones comes in he says victor now pretend i'm saying this in his accent all right <laughs> but uh, um he's like victor we are going to be champions this year and when we are champions all the other teams are going to want to take our coaches and I'm going to be happy to let them go because that's why they came to work with me because they know they're going to be on a winning team and they're going to advance their career. So I'm going to be happy to let them go to the other teams in the league and let them advance their career and their life. But when they do that, that means we have a gap. And the way I'm planning to fill that is we will have veteran players or more mature players that are ready to leave their football career aside and, and, and explore coaching. And I can get somebody then who understands me, understands our game, understands the league, and they can step into a, an assistant coaching role or a coordinator role and, and start continuing you know, to help the team win. And I was just like, wow. You know, that's, that is what the mind of a champion thinks of. It, to them, victory is inevitable. So the question is, what process do you put in place to continue your victory? And, uh, you know, those are the kind of conversations that you have with them. And I, I've seen it throughout my whole life and all my interactions with world champions and elite athletes. They don't enter a tournament or they don't enter a game. Or, you know, you've heard Tiger Woods talking about when he enters a tournament. He doesn't enter a tournament thinking, oh, I hope I make the cut. He enters a tournament expecting to win. And that's what the mind of a, of a champion is like. And that's what Coach Jones has. This is Victor Kui, the uh, president of the Edmonton Elks. We'll get into the off-field uh, stuff in a second. But, you know, b after that first debacle in B.C., your team has played pretty hard. You were in the mix against our Rough Riders, definitely in the mix against Calgary, a knockoff Hamilton. Now you get a return game against Calgary. you got to be pleased with the effort you're seeing on the field. Yeah, again, you know, it's step by step. We've got to move forward, and uh, it, it definitely hurt in, after BC, but um, that's kind of sometimes the kick in the butt that you need, and it was a pretty massive kick. Yeah. So how do you... How do you sell that in a community where you guys had a name change, where you're playing in the same city as the Edmonton Oilers who had a nice playoff run? How, how do you sell that? How challenging is it to get people to come to the park, Victor? Well, it is not easy because we've had challenges for the last couple of years in, in the city and in the club, and our fan base frustrated and they want to look for change. We are fortunate that we've got a really 
great, loyal season ticket holder fan base and that understand that this is a rebuilding process that's going to take us a couple of seasons. They get that and they're loyal and they're supportive of it. But you definitely need those wins to give you the tailwind. Um, and the stuff that we're doing on the field and off the field, you know, this is not a um, silver bullet that we can, and something we can magically change overnight. And um, so we got to be thoughtful about what we do every home game, every away game. And, you know, I've been so lucky. Like, you guys, for example, your president, CEO, Craig, I mean, he has just been so accessible for me and giving me advice and information. He was, you know, when we had our first win, he, he dropped me a line and said, congratulations on your first win in, in, in the league. Like, just amazing people. And that is what lights a fire under my butt every single day to to work harder. Well, I love what you're doing. Uh, you, along with Amar Doman, breath of fresh air in this league. I've said that many occasions, even though you're the hated enemy, the evil empire, as we used to say around here. That's what the double E stood for, and I've told you that before. But you did something, or you announced something this week that I've been talking about for a long time. Actually, had a discussion off mic with Mark Tressman about this, the, the longtime CFL and NFL coach. And we had said, hey, you know, get, get the younger generation turned on. Have 14-year-old and under kids allowed into games free across the league because you, you, you create an atmosphere. Maybe they want to come back. I watched the last game before the last Ryder game. Duke Williams is throwing the ball to fans in the stands in pregame warm-up. That takes no money. It just takes a little forethought on an athlete's part, and you don't think that 7-year-old little kid's going to tell his dad, hey, I want to go to the game. Maybe I can catch a ball from a Rough Rider guy before the game. You guys have implemented something now where you're letting fans 12 and under get in free. Tell us about that and the thought process behind that, Victor Kui. Well, this this took a while to, to bring together, but I, I'm really excited about the initiative. We had great support from all of our partners, from the city of Edmonton to make this happen. Um, our entire organization rallied around the changes that we would have to do to accommodate that and give the kind of experience where a 12-year-old or 12 and under after the game can come onto the field and see where their heroes were, experience what that was like, catch a football from their, from their mom and pretend that they've just, you know, made a touchdown and, and do a touchdown dance. Like all of those little things that just put the beginning of a fire and a little spark in that little girl or boy's heart of falling in love with the team. Now, of course, I think you hit the nail on the head. The marketing side of it, making fans early and all that kind of stuff, I think that's the obvious part of it. But just like in Saskatchewan, we are a community-owned team, and our mandate is different. And the reason I'm really excited about this is because as a community-owned team, our goal is to do things to make our community better. How do we use the power of sports the power of gathering everybody together in one singular magical moment around sports to create memories and make our city better, stronger, and, and all those kind of things. And doing this is important because let's not forget we are coming off of over two years of a really difficult financial time after this pandemic. I have friends or, you know, neighbors that have had to remortgage their house or the business gone bankrupt or people lost their jobs. And we're not over that yet. We're just, you know, six months since that has happened or even even less. And 
people are still feeling the effects of that. The business community, uh, our friends, our neighbors. And this is a way to say thank you, Edmonton, for really looking after our team, even when we sucked, even when we weren't, you know, performing or, or treating you well. And we want you to come out and enjoy this as a family in an affordable way. So that part of it I'm really excited about because that mandate as a community-owned team is unique to our league and unique to our teams. And it's important that we live up to it. Yeah, for sure. Lastly, Victor, do you run a risk of pissing people off that already bought tickets, say, for their kids? Like, how does that work? Because when I brought this up on Twitter commending you, there were some Ryder fans coming back at me. I'd be pretty mad if I paid full freight and then all of a sudden this came in. So, you know, is there a slippery slope there when you're looking at giving, uh, uh, you know, people free? I know it's four, up to four kids, 12 and under free, I believe, with an adult ticket. But is there a slippery slope in ticking people off? Yeah, so uh, we really thought carefully about this because we don't want to upset the fans that have supported us by buying a ticket. The free ticket is only for our bronze-level category. So if you wanted to get a refund on your ticket because you bought one for a youth, absolutely. We will 100% give it. It's no issue at all. Um, and we, we actually reached out to all of our season ticket holders that had bought a youth ticket and told them in advance, this is what's going on, and if you want a credit or a refund, let us know. But if they wanted to get their free seat, they have to understand that they're going to get it. Their their child will not be sitting with them because it's a different section. Wow. So the season ticket holders are still paying for their premium seats that they get, um, and everyone else gets our bronze category seats. Look at that. That's a smart businessman. Kind of like the old rider rookie section when I used to come and we got cheaper tickets. They weren't free, but they were cheaper tickets. And I remember one game, Victor, I'm watching Warren Moon and the Edmonton then Eskimos kick the absolute crap out of the Rough Riders. This would have been about 80, 1980. And the Riders came back with like two touchdowns in like two minutes. And we still lost by 14, like 42-28. But I was so excited because we actually gave the uh, powerful Edmonton Eskimos a game. And that's one game as a young kid that I remember. So I hope this kind of initiative does exactly that. I hope so too. And that sounds like a great memory. It's Nice to hear that, that that we're on the winning side of that memory. Sad <laughs> for you, but <laughs> well, as the voice of, as the voice of the riders, I don't wish you that much luck when you play us, but I do. Uh, I do wish you luck because one thing about the Canadian Football League that I think is really cool: we're all in it for ourselves, while at the same time. Uh, same time being in it together and i think that's a cool thing about the league that uh, sometimes doesn't get highlighted yeah i mean when the whistle blows we're the fiercest competitors when that when the game is done it's like how do we get together to to make to 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 make the league better and you know that's why i follow all the other teams when they do something great i love to talk about it i love to encourage it when we come up with a new idea that i think is great for fans. I share it with the other presidents, and um, and so there, there is a lot of that kind of stuff. We're all trying to cooperate together uh, as presidents and CEOs. Man, good luck bringing the Calgary Stampeders back to the pack tonight. I hope you guys do it. And thanks for taking time on a busy day with me. Okay. I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. 
448 with your Sports Cage Sports Ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing Heating and Cooling. They're hiring starting salary for service technicians is 75000 plus signing bonus. You can give them a call at 781-2090. Week 5 in the Canadian Football League kicks off tonight. We just chatted with Edmonton Elks President and CEO Victor Kui and uh, the Calgary Stampeders are in Edmonton tonight for a 7 p.m. kickoff. Saskatchewan time. Looking forward to watching that one. The Toronto Blue Jays take on the Seattle Mariners tonight. That's an 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time start. And as well, the NHL draft gets going here in near, mom- uh, in near moments, rather, 5 p.m. Saskatchewan time. We shall see if the Canadians take Shane Wright or if they trade it away and uh, do Montreal Canadian things. I hope they just use the pick ballsy. Yeah, you're a uh, Habs fan. You're only a casual hockey fan, though, right? That's right. You're not a huge... Is that always been like that? Yeah, or just because um, the Habs have been no, uh, terrible lately? I've, uh, oh, I've always been like that. Hockey's yeah. probably my f- fifth or fourth so favorite it goes, sport. So uh, it goes football, baseball, or vo- or reverse? No, no. Uh, football, baseball, and then... Uh, NBA? Ba- uh, basketball, mm-hmm. and soccer and hockey are very close. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Anyway. A lot of people are probably really mad at me right now for saying no, that. No, no, no. That's fine, man. We don't all have to like the same thing in the exact same order. I'd go uh, football, hockey, baseball. I don't like basketball anymore. It's boring, man. Basketball is really boring with the way they make shots and stuff. I, 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 I watched... I watched one minute of the NBA playoffs this year just to see that Golden State was going to win it. That's it. That's not even a joke. So I can't even say anything controversial about basketball or anything because I just don't follow it. Um, It's it's boring now. There's no real rivalries. There's nothing. Like, I love the Pistons and the Bulls and the Lakers and the Celtics and the Lakers and the Spurs back with Kobe and Shaq. There's none of that now. Yeah, yeah. And these super teams I'm and all that stuff. That. And these forty-foot jump shots. You know what? Steph Curry ruined basketball yeah, he for did. everybody. Him he and did. Clay Thompson. Yeah, they ruined basketball. Anyway, let's go out to the Western Pizza <laughs> Hotline and talk with our friend, our good friend Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. Brian, you got Shane Wright going first? Nope. No. Who do you got? Slavkovsky. You got him, hey? You think he's going first? Yeah, I do. Do you think the Habs take him or trade it? No, they take him. Okay. Why do you think that's the way it's going to go? Because of his size. They're a small team. They need to get bigger. Uh, he already plays with men, so he should be a player that can step in and make a contribution right away. Are you scratching your head that the um, Blackhawks get rid of Debrinket and they're talking about getting rid of Kirby Dock too? No, it's not a surprise. They need to do something to rebuild. They've got problems with their salary cap, and uh, they need to move some people, and they needed picks. They don't have very many picks. They need, didn't have any in the first round. Yeah. Where does Malkin end up when it's all said and done? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I have no idea. He's, uh, you know, he's kind of fading a little bit. He still makes a contribution, but uh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Well, I have no idea. Where does uh, Darcy Kemper end up? Because uh, they got that Ranger uh, backup goaltender now, the Colorado Avalanche, Gorgiev or Georgiev or whatever you say there. Uh, you know what? He could end up in some place like Toronto. Yeah. They're looking for a goalie. He also could end up in Edmonton, and he did play for the Red Deer Rebels. Yeah, so let me ask you, who's better? Darcy Kemper or Jack Campbell? Uh, yeah, depends on what you're watching. 
<laughs> if you were the Oiler, if you're an, if you were a troubled Oiler fan like me with the goaltending, would you rather have Darcy Kemper playing 55 games or Jack Campbell playing 55 games, presuming Skinner gets the rest of them? I would think probably Campbell or uh, Kemper. Kemper. Okay. Okay, that's good. Uh, was this one of your favorite nights as a as a scout? Yeah, it's every scout's favorite night. Yeah, is there a lot of fighting? A lot of fighting in rooms and stuff. By by now, the fighting is done. You've uh, you've argued enough uh, for various players, so it, it's all done by now. Everybody, you got a list. If everybody's uh, signed on to the list, and away you go. Like, do you stand up and make a passionate plea? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember making one or two? Oh yeah. Yeah, who would you, give us an example of who you stood up for and said, um, we got to take this see. guy. Uh, let me see. Um, I'm putting you on the spot, sorry. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> um, kid from uh, Kindersley. He was a tough little player. He played for Medicine Hat, and uh, I really liked the way he played. Yeah, and did you win that argument? Yes. Oh, good. Awesome. Well, of course, you're a big, good-looking guy, and I've seen you yell before, so I know you can get it done. Okay, Brian Raymond, yell out what's going on at Flowing Springs for us. Well, the golf course is fantastic. Uh, despite the weather forecast, the, uh, we haven't had any rain today, so it's been okay. And uh, we're looking forward to a big weekend. We've got uh, some great specials as well for next week. Mondays and Wednesdays, ladies play for $29. Uh, ladies and seniors, that is. And seniors are over 60. Uh, and if you're not a lady or a senior, we still have a good deal at 39 on Monday and Wednesday. Every day after 2 o'clock, or after 3 o'clock, it's $32. Every day after 6, it's our famous $17 walk the golf course. And you know what? We've got a great diving range. You want to take out your frustrations if you don't get the right players picked or if the riders happen to <laughs> lay an egg this weekend? Yeah. Come out to the driving range. Well, if they're coming in for the game, they could always uh, they could always visit you too if they want to hang around uh, the following day, right, and, and go that golfing. That is an absolutely fantastic idea. In fact, last game we had a few number of people come in and played before the game. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. If you're coming into town, bring the sticks. Give yeah, a call. they could either go Friday or they could stay overnight and play Saturday. If they want to play, how do they get a hold of you? All they have to do is give us a call at 543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. Take care, Brian. Thanks for your time. Have a great weekend. Go Riders. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Brian Raymond out of Flowing Springs, former NHL scout. We should let people know. It's not like he was drafting players from the Flowing Springs boardroom. He was actually in a boardroom. It's with a like knowledgeable man the right Colum- there. The Columbus Blue Jackets. You know who else is knowledgeable? Zinger. And he told me, hey, Ballsy, I looked at my tickle trunk, and I have two tickets for Sastel's pick the score. So right now, 936-6262, you call in. Or toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. Do we say toll-free anymore? Is it toll-free? Oh, yeah. Okay, toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. I feel really old when I do that. It's like those old rotary phones. The one wouldn't go that and then it'll be... And remember, before you call in, we can't have any more cheaters, so you have to not have won anything in the past 30 days. So here's what happens. You pick the score, uh, you get tickets to a game, then if you're closest to that score for the week, you are going to get a $200 gift card uh, from our friends over there at Sastel, and you'll be automatically in the running for a sweet experience at a rider game. In Not a sweet experience, but a, an experience in a sweet which also could be sweet uh, in 2023. Do you want okay. to take this puppy yeah, live? Yeah, on the live, uh, live, I hope so. No swearing either. Yeah. Okay, who uh, who do we got? Who's this? We got Parker on the phone here, buddy. Parker, buddy, that's good. We're buddies, that's good. I like that when you say buddy. Uh, what are you doing today, Parker? Getting your stuff just got off work, actually. Where's work? 
Counting the post, delivering that mail. Man, how many times have you been bitten by a dog? Uh, I'd say about seven. Seven? They still give you sweet, like, walking gear and the winter stuff? Oh, yeah, we got the best out there. How many years of... I don't know, man. I got some pretty good CKRM sideline gear. Might be able to challenge you. By the way, if you do have the stuff, I bought it for you because I'm a taxpayer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah buddy. You know what I'm saying, Parker? <laughs> I'm outfitting you. I'm paying for your stuff. So there, show, show, show me some respect, Parker. Anyway. Uh, hey, I got a quick question for you, Parker. When can we see some new, uh, like, CFL stamps? You remember those nice stamps with, like, George yeah, Reed on it and all those old uh, CFL players? I need some more of those. Hook it to my veins, man. Pushing, I've been pushing management to bring those back, man. Those things are sweet. Yeah, yeah Zinger's got – he collects all the stuff, like, everything. At, like, I'm talking everything. Okay, Parker, you got to pick the score. What's the score going to be, Riders and Ottawa Red Blacks? Now, let me paint a picture for you. Ottawa's rested. Ottawa yeah. desperately needs to win. They got to turn their season around. Your Rough Riders in a competitive West. They are banged up. They got a new left tackle. In fact, let me see here. In or one, two, three, four, five, six players are in. One, two, three, four, five, six players are out. Um, new left tackle. Cody's banged up. Ottawa needs to win. Riders are banged up. Who do you got in the game? I, I got to take the Riders. I do like Mazzoli, though. Like He's playing good. But let's go 34-31 Saskatchewan. Do we have that score yet, Zinger? Do you know? That sounds. Let me let me go in my you, tickle trunk. Here, do you okay? do, do you keep those scores? Oh yeah, I, I don't keep, keep any of them, Parker. Uh, I have no idea. No, we got one uh, very close. Thirty-one twenty-eight. We yeah, had. we had a thirty-one twenty-eight. So okay. this is a little different. So thirty-four thirty-one, Parker. You've picked up tickets to the game. Your chance now to win a two hundred dollar gift card to Sastel or for Sastel, and you have a chance to be in a suite next year to watch a game. That sounds cool, doesn't it? It does. Uh, okay, I used to on the wolf give, get people to give me a wolf howl. I can't do that now. All I need you to say as loud as you can is, I love the sports cage. I love the sports cage and ballsy. Yeah, I love it. Okay, yeah. love it, Parker. And Zinger. Say Zinger, too. And say, hey, can't forget about Zinger, man. Much love, brother. Uh, yeah, love get me those stamps, brother. Zinger's, me those stamps. Zinger's a good guy. You meant you meant stamps, not Calgary stamps. Let's postage be, stamps. Yeah, let's be, clear, let's be clear there. We All hate right. the stamps. All right. Yeah, okay. we like postal stamps. Yeah, postal stamps. That's right. <laughs> anyway, Parker, hang on the phone. We'll get your information. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to hear from Craig Dickinson and... And Keith Willoughby, he's the dean of the business school at the U of S. He's a fan of this show. He did simulations on the season, 100,000. How will the Riders do? Will they host a playoff game? He will have the answer for you on the other side of five. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years skseniorsmechanism.ca Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The show brought to you by spreads.ca. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks to Western Pizza for being a proud supporter of the Sports Cage. Now before we get to our guest on the hotline, let us go to the uh, text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. What do we got, Zinger? Jared in Regina is uh, not confident at all in Andrew Lauderdale starting at left tackle. Mm. He's uh, very worried about our offense tomorrow. 
paraphrasing it a bit because it was too long of a message, but uh, he's expressing his concern for okay. offensive line tomorrow. Uh, Eli texted up on the text line and said, Joey Chestnut is coming to Regina yeah. Exhibition. Mm-hmm. We can all fill up Mosaic Stadium and watch him eat hot dogs. Well, actually, Eli, he's going to be eating mini donuts, and he, he also holds the world record for that as well. It's like 250-some Many donuts, balls. He is um, he is doing it for the food bank. It's part of the food bank, and obviously getting a fee to come in and do that. He he's a an athlete, as they like to say. Yeah, anyway, many donuts. Uh, I'd like to check his blood sugar levels. I really would. He he's got to have. I'm di- worried about him. You know, he's got to have diabetes. I'm worried about him. Andrew in Vancouver says, "I love you guys." Listening on my uh, back porch. Do you know what, Andrew? I love you. You're a loyal listener, mm. and I love you, man. So thank you for uh, listening. So keep. Keep the text coming now, 306-936-6262. Martin Lafleur is uh, at the podium at the uh, NHL draft in Montreal. He is the son of Guy Lafleur. It's funny, Gary Bettman kicks off the draft, and he said, we are in the city that has host, uh, hosted the most NHL drafts ever, and all of a sudden, boo, they're booing <laughs> Gary, and Gary's like, I don't know why you're booing. It's your city. But they've had a nice tribute to Guy, to Mike Bossy, and, of course, Brian Marchment, the longtime uh defenseman who played for the Sharks and the Oilers and the Jets and the Leafs and the Blackhawks, uh, Colorado, I think Tampa too, was a scout with San Jose as well, passed away in Montreal suddenly. I haven't seen officially what it is, but everybody's assuming it's a heart attack. Anyway, let's get to the Western Pizza Hotline, talk to our friend Keith Willoughby. He is the dean of the Edwards School of Business at the U of S. Now, we're not here to talk business stuff. We're here to talk about CFL. He's a huge Ryder fan. How are you today, Keith? And we're doing well, Michael. Good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. This guy came up to me in Vancouver preseason game, said he listens to the show and listens to the games, and we appreciate that. Tell all your smart friends. I think I've got some some of uh, the dumb ones, but I need the real smart ones that listen. Okay, Keith? I'll do that. <laughs> ah, we got all smart listeners here on the sports cage. Now, I got you on here because you did some simulations as it relates to the season, and what did you find for our beloved Rough Riders, Keith? Well, it's very early in the season, Yep. Um, but this computer model that I developed about a decade ago, and it's featured on the CFL website, usually around Labor Day is when the league starts posting the results, but I did the early synopsis after the first quarter of the season, so to speak. Computer model projecting the riders to finish 10-8 and eight gives us about a 43% chance of hosting a home playoff game and about a 15% chance of winning the Grey Cup in November in Regina. Okay, that's not bad. Did you? How long have you been doing these simulations for? I uh, started in the year 2014. Uh, basically, I um, work at the University of Saskatchewan, Edwards School of Business. I love the riders, season ticket holder here in Saskatoon, love football. Also, I'm a math geek, love analytics, love data, and I thought, hey, I'm going to put the two together. So how accurate have you been since 2014? Well, surprisingly, uh, really good when it comes to predicting the Grey Cup winner. Uh, We've done this now seven years. So in six of the seven years, the computer model has correctly predicted who would win the Grey Cup uh, going up into that championship game. It's the high watermark for the computer model was 2017, the year that uh, Toronto played Calgary. Really? In the Grey Cup game in the Snow Bowl in Ottawa. Um, Vegas basically gave the Stampeders about a seven-point margin. The computer model said no way that uh, the Argos win by seven, and lo and behold, Bo Levi was, does what Bo Levi does in November. The Argos won the Grey Cup, and that was basically the, the famous moment for the computer model in terms of beating the Vegas line. Now, how much have you won betting on your own model? 
Uh, I am averse to betting, so I, I, I use oh. this purely for intellectual purposes and my own fandom, so it's not converted into any monetary gain. So when do you come up with the final thing? Like, when do you get that final prediction? You're early on, but, like, do you know, is the computer telling you who's winning the Grey Cup right now a quarter of the way in? Well, yeah, the computer model gives the percentage for each one of the, of okay. the nine CFL teams. So right now, the computer model, it loves BC because BC's had some resounding wins. It loves Winnipeg because they're 4-0. Actually, doesn't like Calgary that much. Wow. Even though Calgary's 3-0, and they eked out wins against Hamilton. Uh, they eked out a win against Montreal. Then they beat Edmonton only by seven points uh, playing at McMahon Stadium. So what the computer model basically does is it looks at margin of victory. So that's why the Rough Riders are, are favored more than the Stampeders, because the Riders beat Hamilton handily. They beat Edmonton by 10 on the road in Commonwealth. And then Montreal was basically saw-off. They lost by, uh, you know, 24 in Montreal, then won by 21 here in, in, in Mosaic. That's very interesting. Keith Willoughby here, the dean of the Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon, been doing this since 2014, running simulations and uh, trying to get the odds on uh, how teams are going to do. Rough Riders have a, what do you say, 43% chance of make, uh, hosting a home playoff game, 15% chance of winning their own Grey Cup. Who's your favorite rider, Keith? Currently or all time? No, right now. Derek Moncrief. Yeah, I love him too. So uh, take the computer aside. What are you thinking of your football team right now? The defense is strong enough. To me, that front seven, and I've been following, you know, since my dad took me to games from Melfort, Saskatchewan in the early 1970s. So I'm one of those ones just like you, Ballsy, that grew up loving the riders. I've never seen a front seven like we have right now. To me, you know, if the offense can give me 17 to 20 points, that should do us pretty good in a lot of our games. Yeah. So I'm optimistic about that. Uh, I just need to see more consistency from the, uh, from the offense as we go forward. And I know that once Labor Day hits, we get Shaq back, we get Kyran back, and I think that's going to alleviate some of the pressure we're seeing on the offense right now. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Well, Keith, thanks, man. This has been very fun, and we'll check in with you again. We'll keep this going. So when's your next run of simulations go? We do this every week, so basically input the latest week's games into the model, rerun the model. We basically do 100,000 simulations of the remaining season, and then out pops the computer numbers. Okay, so uh, take the computer out of it. Who do you got tonight, Elks or Stamps? Oh, Stamps easily. Really? Okay. And who do you got on Friday, Riders in Ottawa? That's not going to be a, a, a runaway like everybody thinks it is. Nope. Well, in fact, the computer model is uh, giving the Riders a 71% chance of defeating Ottawa. Uh, to me, I think that's about right. I, I'm really confident going in. Uh, I think Saskatchewan, this is, this is the softer part of the schedule. Um, the riders need to eke out, they need to get the wins now because we enter the buzzsaw known as September when we play Calgary and Winnipeg five times in uh, six weeks. Yeah, no, for sure. And who do you got? BC, Winnipeg. That's going to be a good one. Winnipeg is good, not great. Here's where I look at this, taking computer stuff aside. Winnipeg has been good, not great. Their 4-0 is a mirage. And Ottawa has an 0-3 mark, but they definitely are better than their 0-3 record. So I think on the other end, that's a mirage too. I, I, I'm interested to see how BC plays Winnipeg the last game. Yeah, the computer model has BC winning, but I'm going against the computer model. I, wow. I think Winnipeg's going to take it. To me, I, I'm not yet sold on lines. I know that they won by 44 against Edmonton. They yeah. won by 41 against Toronto. But uh, come on, both of those games at home, um, I think once the lines enter reality, I think they're going to slip down a little bit. 
This guy here, he sounds smart, and he's a stats nerd, but he doesn't sound like a nerd. I love it. Keith Willoughby, thanks for your time, man. We'll check in again. Go Riders. Have a great day. All right, Keith Willoughby at the Edwards School of Business doing the simulations for the league. Okay, when we come back, we're going to hear from Ben Olsen and Craig Reynolds. Big announcement as it relates to um, the uh, Grey Cup coming up here in November. The Riders hoping to play in it. Keeping our eye on the TV for the NHL draft, which is just getting underway with the pomp and pageantry of the uh, opening uh, portion. All right. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Well, the most storied franchise in the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens about to make the first uh, pick in the NHL draft. They're on the clock, 225 and counting to go. Got to give Gary Bettman some credit. He tried to speak some French there as best he could when introducing uh, the Habs with the first pick. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Absolutely. The boos turned to cheers. Uh, All right. Let's continue with our CFL talk. This guy doesn't get a lot of publicity. We talk about the defense. We talk about the head coach. We talk about Shivers. We don't talk about their D-line coach, Ben Olson. I had a chance to catch up with Ben. Here with the Riders uh, defensive line coach, Ben Olson. Ben, the uh, unsung hero, man. People have been talking about you now. Some of your players talking about the work you're doing with them. Just talk about yourself first. How'd you end up coming to Saskatchewan? Yeah, uh, I got up here back in 2020, right before the canceled season. Um, just randomly, back in uh, one day in January, Coach Dickey called me. Uh, we have a mutual friend who, you know, he put my name in for their open D-line job and just kind of went from there. All right, so talk about coaching the D-line in the Canadian League with the one yard off the ball as a coach. Uh, did that affect you at all, how you approached your coaching technique? Not so much the one yard off the ball. It's more the way the O-linemen pass set up here that changed. Um, but that, it wasn't too much of a difference. It's kind of D-line play. It's kind of D-line play down south and up here. What kind of player do you like uh, as a D-line coach? Oh, I like the D-line with the attack. You know, their whole mentality is to attack, and not just one D-line, but as a group. You know, that's got to be your mentality when you go into every single play. And talk about this D-line, because you're coming from all and everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're a group, and that's the most important thing. They are a strong group, and I think you see that off the field. You see that on the field, you know. It's a very cohesive group um you know like they say they they hunt together and they yeah. eat together yeah so uh, you know it's a fun group to, to coach Lanier the second was saying we are in a competition to get to the quarterback internally do you kind of breed that competition for them yeah I mean I think they do it on their own you know they're very they're like I think it goes back to being a very close group you know they they know you know how to how to you know work off of each other yeah and I think that's a big part of it yeah for sure talk about some of these guys individually how about Pete Robertson he's off to a great start yeah and you saw that last year especially at the end of the year last year you know Pete was kind of starting to come in come into his own at the end of the year you know we he put the work in this offseason came back you know they miss a step you know he's still still rolling I told Anthony hey you uh, kind of got some ticky tack off offside penalties uh, last uh, last year and then this year you kind of got one that I didn't think was a penalty to start the game but there's a guy you give him enough leash he finds his way boy he had a good game Anthony Lanier the second yeah he did you talk about a guy that hunts I mean yeah. he, he'll go hunt as, as a group but yeah. you know you know, you can get penalties with when you're yeah. attack first D line. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't want to slow down. You know, we want to obviously coach, you know, the right techniques and you know, you know, resist that urge sometimes to finish on the quarterbacks. But you also, we're we're gonna attack. You know, sometimes you're gonna get those type of penalties. You talk about the athleticism of AC Leonard, man. He's right there as one of your best athletes on the team. Yeah, and like you said, he's right there, not just. Uh, 
he's right there getting sacks too. I yeah, mean, a lot yeah. of those sacks, you know, he's right there with the guys getting them, and he's 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 close, man. He's and you, the, the the things that he's able to do for us, you know, as far as dropping in coverage, stopping the run, and rushing the quarterback, it's mm. he's he's our Swiss Army knife. Yeah. So what do you see in this Ottawa offense coming to town? In in general, they're going to be a desperate football team, but they have moved the football. They just haven't put it in the end zone. Yeah, they're good. I mean, you, you talk about Jeremiah Masoli and Willie P. I mean, we know Willie yeah. P. Obviously, Willie P. is going to try to make things happen. We're going to try to, you know, keep him contained. And, you know, Masoli's going to try to make things happen with his legs, too. That's been a big focus for us this week as far as keeping him in the pocket and finishing. Yeah. That's the defensive line coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Ben Olson. His team has 21 sacks coming into this game. That's the most in the CFL. They've given up 10, but uh, the offense, but they have also registered 21 best defense in the league, in my opinion, early on this season. The reason why the Riders are 3-1. and one. By the way, we got a great cup being played here in November. We had more announcements as it relates to that. Craig Reynolds, the president of the Riders, fills us in. Yeah, you know, it's 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 been a focus for the CFL and, and here locally for, for years. And, and obviously, you know, you want you want the youth to be engaged in in our in our league and in our product. And so they come to the stadiums, and we get that next generation of fans. And and a lot of what we announced today is is around um, you know engaging them in, in ways that they're used to be engaged with, um, and that's through technology and through through gaming in some cases, and 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 through some of the exciting things we announced in the digital zone. What do they get out of being engaged and becoming a fan? What do, what, so what, me, what, do the, what do youth get out of uh, being engaged and becoming I, a fan? I think you know they'll be exposed to the Grey Cup Festival, and I think um, you know that's that's exciting, and they'll they'll feel part of, of the Grey Cup and recognize what it, what a great event it is, and and I think they'll have a lot of fun, and and really that's what the Grey Cup Festival is about is, is about having a good time and having having fun, and I think you know they'll, they'll recognize that that uh, when we get the host here in Saskatchewan, it's pretty special, and and they get to have a good time with with their with their friends and their family. What was the process for choosing these, you know, these three events? I know, uh, like a Super Smash, it's a seems it seems unusual to have a great. What was kind of the process in deciding that? Yeah, it was it was actually all the way back to the bid process. So we, we started talking about ways where we could engage youth and and started brainstorming, obviously, honestly, and came up with esports as as one of the ways that uh, we wanted to do that and and using technology in, in in new and creative ways. And obviously, we have a great. Uh, volunteer host committee and so we challenged them to come up with to take those ideas and expand on them and then when the pandemic hit we were challenged in terms of where we're going to be able to, to do that given we had to restart this restart the uh, the great cup so um, you know with the federal government support we were able to to restart some of the, some of that thinking and some of those plans and, and make the announcement we were able to do today for some of those lifelong fans who aren't necessarily into gaming what can they expect yeah, there'll be lots for the, for what I'll call the more traditional great great cup fans. The team parties are, are going to be there. You know, we have we announced the, the schedule of events today, and and there's I would say all the traditional events are there. So there's Riderville and all the the Atlantic Schooners uh, party are there, and and we're going to be reintroducing the team party pass, which I know was a hit in 2013. There'll be a, the alumni luncheon, the award show. So all the traditional great cup events are going to be part of our festival. Uh, what we wanted to do was create some new and exciting events that had never been done before. You touched on a little bit um, in your in your uh, speech there, but just uh, one thing that kind of caught me here was just the virtual 
CFL combine? Is it is it's, um, as simple as maybe you know just like you know fans and kids taking part in like combine drills and then comparing them against like CFL stars like numbers? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, combine drills, whether it's throwing a, a Hail Mary or I'm, I'm not sure some of the details, but that was, that was in some of the some of the materials that, that I saw. And I believe there's an opportunity where actually some of the current or, or, or alumni players could actually participate in the virtual combine as well. So you would actually be competing virtually with um, CFL stars and, and, and former CFL stars. So it's really a great uh, opportunity for, for kids and, and anybody to really sort of compete virtually with, with uh, our great athletes. Recovery from the pandemic, how much of a boost this kind of funding are going to be? Yeah, it's it's actually uh, on a cost recovery basis. So really what it's allowing us to do is to grow the festival and do some of the things that we might not have been able to do because we, we just from a budget perspective, we weren't able to do. So some of these things like the digital zone we're only able to do because the federal government uh, support is going to reimburse some of those some of the costs of some of these activities and um, and they're costly right uh, whenever you're involving technology there it comes at a cost so so um, really it's helping us to to deliver the festival we always wanted to and, and deliver the, the biggest festival we possibly can how important was it to keep it free for the families that you want to draw in and uh, and get that new audience that you're looking for extremely important so so you know when we set out to plan the, the gray cup we wanted a mixture of obviously there'll be some traditional paid events like the CFL awards and those types of things, but we wanted a large number of family-friendly free events so that families, uh, you know, didn't have any barriers to come to the festival site and to experience Great Cup and and feel part of it and, and really understand uh, how special Great Cups are in Saskatchewan. Well, Brian Raymond nailed it. The uh, Flowing Springs uh, guru and former NHL scout Yura Slavkovsky comes up with the. Uh, the Habs jersey, the number one pick in the NHL draft. So there you go. There's uh, a Daniel Chara giving him a tribute yeah, here. Yeah. He's the first one taken, though, I think, in uh, like a Slovakian-born player since Gabrik was taken Yeah, in the top five. Yep. And then, of course, Chara coming from the Western League. Also, he went to the New York Islanders. All right. That was uh, Craig Reynolds, the president of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They've got three new things announced. It's going to be a video game uh, uh competition with a lot of prize money there's going to be uh interactive digital sports kind of set up there for the youth and then the youth will get some uh tips from the pros as part of the gray cup festivity so a really good interaction with the young people adding the video game element a video game element to the 2022 gray cup which isn't quite sold out but is getting close so get your tickets before you have to buy them on the secondary market when we come back we'll hear from glenn Suter, but it's the red sox report and when we have glenn Suter on it's for quality tire with nine locations across the province qualitytire.ca before we get to the game you're broadcasting this week which is our contest let's talk about week number five in the cfl kicking off tonight uh, rekindling of the battle of alberta calgary rallied to beat edmonton in the first meeting and uh, Chris Jones's team coming off a victory, which, in my opinion, was surprising, but nice to see if you're an Elks fan. Nice to see, and nice to see if you're a fan of Canadians in the Canadian Football League, because Trey Ford did a great job of, of showcasing his talent, Ballsy, as you know. And, and his talent is sort of um, triple threat, you know, both running, uh, throwing the football, uh, and just straight, leadership gave them a spark i think and their defense obviously played great in contributing to that win but 
that's something that I think we all believed was going to happen eventually. Anyway, with the Chris Jones team, you're going to eventually have a good defense. So we know that. And now it's whether or not their offense can continue to keep pace because they need to, to put back-to-back games together here if they want to keep pace in the in the West Division. You know there's there's three teams atop that division that haven't lost yet. Yeah, for sure. Now, as it relates to Trey Ford, uh, looks a little like Neilon Green. You and I talked about that last week in the pregame show for the Riders broadcast. Kind of <clears throat> similar traits, but man, is he fast. I can't remember a quarterback that fast like Damon Allen was an unbelievable weapon running the football but I don't remember him being that fast he was smooth this guy looks like a like a a, a poor man's Michael Vick if I can say it that way yeah you know, it's, it's you know athletically that's an interesting comparison because you know when you have a guy with top end speed I mean there's quickness I think there's we've seen a lot of quarterbacks with great quickness that can negotiate the pocket. I think Zach Kolaris has great quickness in the pocket to negotiate it and buy himself time. Uh, we've seen fast and smooth runners like Damon. I think uh, you put Doug Flutie that probably didn't get enough credit for his ability to avoid the rush and, and throw on the run. Um, but there's been a lot of great athletic quarterbacks. One of the th- reasons that the CFL has, you know, this CFL is uh, we've always sort of been proud of the inclusivity of the game and that we, you know, if you can play, you can play quarterback in this game, and that doesn't, that doesn't happen in all leagues. So sometimes a great athletic quarterback won't get a chance somewhere else. That's changing down south, but he, you know, in the past hasn't and has played in our league. So, yeah, I, I think Trey has that top-end speed where once he breaks contain, you really as a defender have to make a choice, and you're probably wrong either way. You either come up and try and contain him and, and limit the the run before he gets up to top speed, or you stay back in coverage, hope that he stays back and throws it, and you get a chance to make a play that way. I, You know, I... I just I'm looking forward to seeing his development. A different player than Nathan Rourke, as you know, Ballsy, but looking forward to seeing how he develops as the season goes on. We'll get into Nathan Rourke in a second. Let's talk about the Elks off the field. I've been saying this for a while. You and I have talked about this. Mark Tressman's weighed in when I've talked to him. Get the younger people to the stadium, even if it means giving free tickets. Victor Kui has made that announcement. And you still, you know, it's only the bronze members and the people who have season tickets, as Victor told us earlier in the show. If you have season tickets already, your kids can't sit with you in the primo spots. you got to know they're going to sit somewhere else in the stadium. But I think it's a great initiative to get that uh, young Glenn Suter, that young Michael Ball, turned on to CFL football. Well, I'll tell you a quick story, and that's, and I think I've told it before, but the, you know, when I was a kid, and I'm talking 10, 11, 12 years old, and we were living in Prince George, BC, uh, which is, which is about 500 miles away from Vancouver, and my, my father was working with uh, Telecom Canada at the time, and BCTEL, which became BCTEL, and, you know, we would, I would beg him, because I was listening to the Lions games on the radio, and I would beg him to go down for a game. So we would drive all the way down to Vancouver. He would go, we'd leave on the Friday for the Saturday game, and he'd be back Sunday for work on Monday. And so it was a, it was a grind and tough for him, but the reason that he did it and loved it was because I got in free. You know, the kids, all you had to bring was an empty bag of Nally chips. And if you showed the empty bag of Nally chips, you got into the kids' section for free. And there were hundreds of us. 
And after the game was over, every one of those kids got escorted right to the field so we could run around and actually high-five some of the guys on the field. So that's when I fell in love with Canadian football. That's when I sort of – the dream was just – planted in my head even at a younger age like seven or eight where i thought man if it may, is there any chance that i could be one of these guys when i when you know got to high five with jim young or jerry taggy of the bc lions i mean i think it's it's brilliant it, you know i'd love to see it more with amateur football and amateur sports saying if you play amateur football then you get a free ticket to a cfl game and the other thing is you know, my son was in Nashville when the Predators were starting to grow in popularity. He and I went to one game one time, and we gave them our email and our and our social media stuff so they could contact us. The Predators constantly gave my son, who was a student at Belmont University, as long as he brought his student card, he got in for five bucks or something. Wow. Yeah. And ten years later, eight years later, five years later... That's when that place was jam-packed, and all of a sudden they had a playoff team, which helps. But I, I love this initiative. I think in, you know, there will be a couple people in the media that say, well, you're giving away t- tickets for free, then, it's, then it devalues the game. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think get the kids in there, get them excited about it, just like Walt Disney does when you're gr- bringing up a child. He doesn't sell you the parent. He sells the kid, and the kid sells you. Bingo. And I think that's thinking outside the box, and that is being proactive. Gone are the days from 78 to 82 when the uh, when the Edmonton Eskimos were selling the place out and 16-year-olds had to buy season tickets. No, I'm not suggesting we can't have big crowds. What I'm saying is things have changed. Glenn Suter and TSN broadcast every game. I remember, I love it, looking at, hey, Dad, are we going on summer holidays? Yeah, we're going to Winnipeg to visit family. Awesome, when are we going? We're going from July 15th to July 30th. Oh, awesome, I get to watch the Riders. I get to see Glenn Suter and the Riders from Taylor Field. They're playing Hamilton, but I'll be in Winnipeg so I could watch the game. My kid, uh, my daughter, my son, uh, younger kids, they don't know how lucky they are. They get to watch every game on TV. I love listening on the radio, but you either had to go to the game or be out of your market to watch. So times have changed. You have to find a a different way to get them to the stadium, to make them want to come to the stadium. And I I like this initiative from Victor Quee. We're going to take a break and be back with more of Glenn Suter in a moment for Quality Tire on 620 CKRM. All right, it's 545 with your sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. Their hiring starting salary for service technicians is $75,000 plus signing bonus. You can give them a call at 781-2090. The 2022 NHL draft is underway. Number one to the Montreal Canadiens, Yura Slavkovsky goes to the Montreal Canadiens. The New Jersey Devils with the second overall pick. They select Simon Nemich. And third overall, the Arizona Coyotes selected Logan Cooley. So that means Mr. Shane Wright is still on the board. Will he go to the Seattle Kraken at number four? 
All right, back with Glenn Suter here on the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca. His segment sponsored by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you at QualityTire.ca. Suits, one thing we don't talk enough about, I mentioned it in our broadcast with Luke Mullender. Listen, I don't like seeing Chandler-worthy run-back uh, kicks in successive weeks, but I do like the kick return in our league. The American game is going away from it. I love that aspect of our game. Yeah, special teams in the U.S. is pretty much dead. It's it's done. I mean, you you, you the field goal teams, yes, okay, they still do that, but uh, they have to be closer than than we do. And again, I I'm not into the comparison game, as you know, but yeah. but when you when you look at the fair catch and the downing of a football and the punt, that's an NFL rule. Again, one of the silliest rules to me is watching. 225-pound DBs and linebackers covering a punt and then watching it roll and roll and roll and then touching and then touching it down. That's one of the silliest plays in pro sports to me. Anyway, having said that, yeah, our, this is an element of our game, and I, I know that in the last – you know, in the last three or four months in the off season, one of the narratives that kept getting pushed down everybody's throat was that there's too many two and outs. That that this is this is an issue with our game, and I completely disagree with that. First of all, in every single game, half the audience is wanting a two and out. They're cheering for a two and out because they want their team team on defense to get the stop. So that's one thing. Half the audience, every play, wants the defense to win secondly the two and out provides a a quick opportunity for the opposing offense to get the ball back immediately and that's why we have such a dramatic final three minutes of the of the game more dramatic than any other sport in the world our final three minutes is like that because you can turn over the ball quickly. You can have three or four, sometimes even up to five possessions in the final three minutes. That's because of our rules and the special team play. And then there's the, then there's the return game. And, uh, I mean, an interception flops the field, a block punt flops the field, and a big return flops the field. I mean, those are the plays that can completely change field position and change the momentum of a game, and we get it on a regular basis in Canada. So these are all things that aren't issues. These are things that we should be celebrating. This is what makes our game great. And a little guy that maybe not get a chance in other leagues, but is lightning fast, returns kicks, that little guy gets a chance in our league. And I, you know, I'm proud of it. I love it. And we should, and that's why I've always said, Ballsy, that we should honor the cover guys too. Like when you're talking about award time and all stars, guys that cover kicks well are crucial okay. to Canadian football. Let me stop you because the Rough Riders had kickers cover kicks. Brett Lothar, I ran into him yesterday. He is going to play. He's got an injured calf making a tackle over at the BC bench. Said he was hit on every kickoff. His knuckles looks like he was in a fight in a back alley. Like They're almost like they're broken. He doesn't know if they're broken. He said, I really have an appreciation for what those guys do. It's the worst he's been beaten up in a game. Uh, uh, Vedvik saved the punt return touchdown on yep. the far sidelines after a 33-yard return. Uh, you know, we, we make fun. Kickers aren't athletes, but those, those two rider kickers were down trying to make some tackles. Yeah, and, and you know, when, when I was on return teams, 
that was always a mandate, especially with guys like Don Matthews, the late Don Matthews, who was a special teams. He started like Craig Dickinson as a special teams guy and a uh, defensive guy, defensive expert. And he would tell us on returns, make sure you block the kicker. Whoever is in charge of ensuring that he kicks it and doesn't fake it, because sometimes when a kicker is a veteran and he sees everyone peel off to try and block, he'll just fake it on his own. He'll just take and run it for a first down. So you always have to have somebody that's in charge of guaranteeing the kick. So you, you rush and you wait to make sure he kicks it. Okay, so then he kicks it. It's your job to block him because – Nine times out of ten, if a returner gets a big return, it's the kicker that finally brings him down because that's where he's finally running out of room at a sideline and the kicker is angling him out and it's the kicker that gets him. It's kind of like a quarterback on an interception. If if you talk to coaches of, of D linemen, they will tell you as soon as you know it's an interception, block the quarterback because he's usually the guy that yeah. will make the tackle on an interception. Yeah. Okay, so this one tomorrow, the Rough Riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks will both be there. It it kind of has an upset smell to me. The Rough Riders are banged up. They're on a short week. I'm not making excuses, but they are. Duke's questionable. Vaughn's questionable. If they play, they're not going to be healthy. Um, and Ottawa, much like Winnipeg, is good, not great. And you look at their 4-0 record and you go, eh. Same thing with Ottawa. They're 0-3, but you look at their 0-3 record and you go, eh, this is going to be an interesting game. I, I think so. And and keep in mind, Ottawa is desperate, desperate. Like Hamilton, Ottawa, both desperate to get in the win column. I mean, this is this is where now as a player, coach, and, and those kind of things. Well, we saw what happened in Montreal. I mean, we're getting to that moment now where – Coaches are on the hot seat. You got to win a game. You got to get in the win column. You got to start to build momentum. You got to show that you, not only are you improved on the field, but you have to actually now show it with results. And that's where Coach Paul Lapolis and that staff is at. They know it. They've got the quarterback they need. Um, they're a much better team. Sort of a no-name defense in some ways, but a very strong and balanced defense. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, they're going to be playing desperate football. So it's kind of like any team that plays the Bombers. For a different reason, they're always up for that game because they're defending champions. Well, now this is an 0 for team going into Saskatchewan in their place, and they're saying if we want to get our season started, we do it right now mm-hmm. on the road in hostile territory against a very good team in, in Saskatchewan, banged up or not, very good team in Saskatchewan. Uh, this is how we get started. So I, I think that internal motivation is going to make this a drag them out, you got to earn it type of win for the Riders if they're going to get there. Okay, so we'll get to the Winnipeg thing in a second, but I do want to get a comment on the Montreal Alouettes and what went on there. I mean, I Kahari Jones is a good coach and a good person. I, I know Baron Miles personally. I'll say the same thing about him. Um, I honestly think... Uh, I think uh, Kahari Jones got a raw deal. This was something that was uh, rumored for a while that Machocho wanted to be a head coach uh, for whatever reason, wanted to take over the team. Was it true? Wasn't it true? Whatever. It's happening now. Just your thoughts. Are you surprised by that in Montreal? Yeah, I am. I am that, you know, they, they didn't give it more time. You know, and again, you think about the one loss where their kicker missed a 20-yard field goal or 21-yard field goal. Um, you know, that was that would have and should have been a win for them. Um, not blaming the kicker, just it should have been. And you, 
than you think of. I, I just, I hope and I don't, I'm going to choose not to believe, let's put it this way, I'm going to choose not to believe that Danny Machocha has done this because he just wants to get back behind the bench. I, I just, I'm going to choose to believe that that's not true. Um, because if it is, it's for the wrong reasons. And I've said this from the big picture, from the 10,000 feet view, I've never seen, and I can't remember in recent or history in general, a coaching change at midseason or even early in the season helping the team get back on track. There's usually a, an adrenaline pump in that first game because there's a sense of urgency when you see the drastic measure. As a player, you kind of look and go, whoa, I guess everybody's job is on the line now. So there's that, that sense of urgency. But that doesn't, you can't sustain that. You're either a good team and, you, and you're building towards being great, or you're not a good team and that adrenaline, maybe one game or one win because of the change gets you that, but it doesn't, you can't sustain it. So I, I've never liked midseason coaching changes. You know, I think you can plan for an off season if you want to make a change and see how the coach fights his way out of this battle. But, and I'm taking all the personal things aside because I like Kari too. I think he's a first class individual. Him and Baron Miles, great coach. I think the players loved him. So, I'm I'm not sure about this. I I've, I've never liked these decisions in midseason anyway. And I'm going to choose to believe it wasn't because just because Danny Machocha wants a coaching job. That just doesn't, I can't, Yeah. That, that, would be, that would be the wrong reason in so many ways. Okay, so I believe the Rough Riders have the best defense. I think it's better than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense. Do you agree or disagree? I, I do agree. I, I like it. I, I'm still... Um, I'm still not ready to make them the top of the mountain yet, but I really like their defense. I like their rotation. I like their secondary. I like uh, the confidence they play. And I will say I think they have collectively the best linebacking core in the league So when they're all healthy. So, I, you know, I think that, you know, they're, they're right on the doorstep of that. And let's, let's see in the next few games. And let's see when they go head-to-head and around Labor Day time. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk Winnipeg. They're 4 0. They're the two time defending champs. They get total respect, but they've been good, not great. Ottawa should have beat them once. Toronto could have taken them to overtime, and who knows what happens. It hasn't been a dominating 4 0. We're going to learn a lot about Winnipeg this week. Banged up going to Vancouver, where the Lions are a bit banged up too. And we saw Nathan Rourke get through his first real hurdle and did it successfully. It's going to be a good game to wrap up the week. The game of the week, maybe the game of the year, because of the of the standings and the and the records and the and the play of Nathan Rourke and all of those storylines and the fact that you mentioned, which is that the Bombers have been good, not great on defense, not as dominant as they have been. They've been good, not great offensively. I think they really do miss Andrew Harris. I thought they would, and I they do. They really don't have much of a run game at this point, and that's not on Brady Oliveira. That's just. They just haven't been as good, and, and that's what happens when you take a future Hall of Famer out of your backfield. So, you know, that's, 
that's just facts. But I and thought, but I thought, but I thought running backs were plug and play. You could just plug and play running backs. That's what no, I thought. No, no. When 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 your back is getting you six and a half, seven on first down because he rolls and spins and fights for that extra two yards. That's why Toronto should have won that game. I mean, they missed the kick to go to overtime, but they should have won it because of the play of Andrew Harris and how he brought balance and that extra effort and and it just it trickles down to the team. But um, yeah, no, I, I think this is the game of the week can't wait to do it i'm going to do the saskatchewan the game and then go back to vancouver and get that done and um you know there's a lot to showcase plus i'll also add this i'm 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 almost ready to add the bc lion defense to the top of the mountain group and there's saskatchewan winnipeg there now but i'm i'm getting close to adding the lions to that group so let's see let's see that underrated group right now the group that is not being talked about because of Nathan Rourke which is fine but they're a good defense top to bottom so let's let's see uh let's see that matchup Guys and girls, that was Plaza of Honor inductee Glenn Souter, Hall of Fame broadcaster Glenn Souter, and maybe the most patient man in Canada, Glenn Souter, because he has to travel through the air, and that is not something anybody wants to do with regularity, man. Uh, safe travels. I hope you get here in time, and I hope you get back to Vancouver in time because the broadcasting of CFL football depends on it. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you tomorrow in the booth. Thank you, Ballsy. Have a good show. Yes, indeed. And whenever we uh, talk to Arash Madani, it's for Brian Golly. Uh, be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly uh, at Smart Investing Solutions. Joining me on the phone is Arash Madani. Uh, before we get to him, though, we got to make mention. So uh, Shane Wright, who was supposed to go number one, ends up going number four to Seattle to the Kraken. And then the, the Habs pulled off a trade. Now, they got the they traded uh, their big defenseman, Romanoff, mm-hmm. to, and the 98th pick sent that to Chicago. Well, sent that to sent that. Where did they send that again? They to, sent that to the New York Islanders. Islanders for the 13th pick. Mm-hmm. Then they took the 13th pick and the 66th pick mm-hmm. and packaged it up and sent it to Chicago for the former Saskatoon Blade Kirby Dock. So they basically stole Kirby Dock. Is what they did. <laughs> yeah, pretty good looking draft for the Canada de Montreal. And is how that about, pretty good? French? Yeah, that's pretty good. And how about well, you're you're a Montreal Canadian fan. Yeah. And how about they're tearing it down in Chicago? Debrinket goes to Ottawa before that for a bevy of picks. So uh, things still rolling there. Two two Slovaks went one and two in the draft because mm-hmm. uh, 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 Nemec was the other one yep. that went number Nemec, two. Yep. To the Slavkovsky. Yeah, to the uh, New Jersey Devils. All right, let's head on the Western Pizza Hotline, talk about uh, things other than hockey uh, with our friend Arash Madani, coast to coast. Now, Arash, uh, first off, Kahari Jones fired. I don't know that it's a surprise, but it's still a WTH moment. It really is. And, Baldi, to me, this whole thing has been shambolic from the start. <laughs> Good word. Like, it really has. I mean, how long have you and I been talking about Kahari Jones being on the hot seat? No. I, f- I feel like since you took over the show. Yeah, uh, even before that, we were talking about uh, that in the pandemic, actually, a bit. Yeah, you're right. right. You're right. And, and I just look at this scenario, and I have wondered, we'll find out loud with you, um, what, what are the Alouettes doing to help their coach out? Are they hanging him out to dry? Because it certainly feels that way. 
you know, and, and that had been our conversation and our narrative, mm-hmm. you know, February, March, April through free agency and what was going on. And then, you know, look at some of the look at some of the, the moves and the writing on the wall, if you will. And I know this doesn't sound like a big deal, but the Alouettes suddenly Bobby Gordon's no longer the receivers coach. And you're saying, well, what, why does the receivers coach matter? Bobby Gordon might be Kari Jones's best friend in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? What? You know who? Who's making these moves? Who's deciding these things? When Jeff Reinbold was hired, I was told Kahari had very little to do with that. Well, and I was so told who, I was told Kahari had very little to do with uh, getting rid of Trey Watson too. So uh, very, very interesting times there. And 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 here's the thing going forward, Arash. So yeah. so how, how's the offense look? Because that was Kahari's baby. Are we turning things over to Anthony Calvillo? Because that hasn't exactly been a splendid move in the past. I don't know that Danny Machoch is on the level. I think no. it's Machoch's offense. Yeah, well, I'm going to really tell you right now, Danny Machoch is not on the level of Kahari Jones for an offensive coordinator either. Like, uh, how does that look for the quarterback? Is he a Vernon Adams guy? Is he a Trevor Harris guy? It's actually quickly become a circus in Montreal now. And let's tie it all back to what, look, what wins in pro football? The, the, the easy answer is talent. Yes. You know, talent trumps all. But good leadership wins. Yep. Good ownership wins. What's been happening over there? It feels like the owner is tweeting more than he's doing anything else. Who's really in charge of the operation? It certainly didn't seem like the head coach was in charge of the football team that he was he was in charge of. Mm-hmm. Um, Ballsy, it's an age-old story in sport. New owner, new leadership comes in, and they're enamored with all the shiny toys and the tools and the smoke machine and the attention and the notoriety. And because they're in charge and because people report to them, they suddenly believe that they're more informed about football or sport than they actually are. And all the things that gave them success that, you know, in the business world that made them, that gave them the means to buy a football team, they're not operating the football team like they were operating whatever that was. The steel business, the car business, the plastics business, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Hey, what's the league reaction from what you're hearing to the firing? I got to tell you, I uh, I was expecting this, especially with the Alouettes on a bye week. Like I was expecting this back in January when you or February, whenever you looked at the schedule, and you're like, yep. oh, I see how this is starting." And look at the opponents after the bye. That's where Kahari gets whacked. And and I just wonder if the kicker makes the chip shot in Toronto. How different is this conversation? Mm-hmm. But, but while I was expecting it, Ballsy, I mean, I was working the Jays day game yesterday, and suddenly in a span of like five minutes, I got about five or six messages. Everything from WTF to crooked to what are they doing, question mark, to this is just wrong. And... And they were all from CFL people and not just from the same franchise. Um, and I'm like, you know, I didn't put two and two together because it was like the eighth inning of the Jays game. And then I opened up the old Twitter machine and I saw it. There are people across the league who, and I'm being very 
judicious and conservative here saying they're very disappointed by this. The reality is there are a lot of people disgusted with how this this whole thing shook down from the jump. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, you're right. Crooked is a good word. That's actually a really good word. Just crooked, uh, shady. There's a lot of ways you could Why? describe it. Yeah. Why? Why yeah. are you doing this? Like, and here's the thing. You're not putting the organization in a favorable position. If, if Kahari wasn't going to be your guy, and there were many players who left in free agency after last season who saw the writing on the wall, in practices last year and in the building last year, if he wasn't going to be the guy, then why did you put on this song and dance through the through the off season, through training camp, through the first month of the year? Yeah, it's it's actually embarrassing. Hey, uh, the Jays a squeak one out that they win in a dumpy stadium in Oakland, uh, but are they in trouble now? I, I'm starting, and I don't know if "troubles" the word, but I think there is real cause for concern here, Balzi. Because, look, you and I have talked baseball for a long time. It comes down to pitching. And what the Blue Jays don't have right now is an abundance of quality pitching. Mm -hmm. And next man up for them is scary. Like, with, with Ryu out and Gosman for now unavailable, like the next man up deal on the depth chart, the depth chart goes like this. Casey Lawrence who, after Anthony Bonda opens tonight, Lawrence is going to be the long guy, then Max Castillo, and then Thomas Hatch, who was a disaster over the weekend in his first call-up in a couple of years. Like, there's there's nothing waiting there arms-wise for them internally to come up and deliver. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And then how about the comebacker off of Gosman took like a 100-mile-an-hour one right back at him. Now, tests are negative, but what, what's up with him? So, yeah, x-rays were negative. Here's the deal. I talked to Kevin on Monday, Ballsy, and he said that he wears high tops mm-hmm. on the mound, high-top cleats. And that comebacker just nailed him right at the top of the ankle where there's some cushioning at the from the high top. He said, if those were low-cut shoes, my ankle would probably be in, like, a bunch of pieces right now. So it got to be the shoes. Um, so that, yeah. that prevented the break, but it's still 100 miles an hour off the ankle, and he can't even push off of it. Now, they were hoping he was going to throw a bullpen today. Maybe he could start Sunday, but he's been gingerly walking around. And when you've invested five years and $115 million into that guy, and this is season one of that deal... Uh, you're in no rush to get out there and start them. No, this is a Rash Madani with his great report. We're calling it Coast to Coast, brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. So um, what are we looking at in terms of uh, the All-Star game for the Jays? Uh, are they going to send a, a bunch? Does that matter? I don't think it matters, but I think there's going to be a bunch that are going to go. You mm-hmm. know, Vlad and Bo and Manoa, Alejandro Kirk. Um, you know, there, there are a couple others who could be in the conversation too. Maybe Lourdes Gurriel goes on, on fan voting. And I think for fans, that's that's significant. Yeah, I think so too. But it's interesting though, and I th- maybe you and I have talked about this, Balsy. Um, Vlad's not taking part in the Home Run Derby. No. Which shows you where his priorities are. He's yeah. about winning, not not doing anything that could lead to an injury that may affect him in a second. Yeah, we did talk about that because I was in favor of uh, promoting the game as a whole, right. but you're you're uh, you uh, brought the other side up that hey, you got to look after uh, your interest and your team's best interest. Well, it would be in the Jays' interest to get some uh, 
some fresh arms in here. I don't know if they can. Uh, when do trades pick up here? When can we expect some business, if any, on the Jays' front? Well, what's changed this year is that the draft is now around the All-Star game. It's the Saturday of the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. I would suspect when everybody's kind of coming together in L.A. and all that hoopla, there have been preliminary conversations. But I would say that we're probably two weeks away, ten days away, from stuff really starting to heat up, and then the deadline's August 2nd. So I think there's some urgency needed here for the Jays to go make a pitching move, a real pitching move. Now, you know hockey, but obviously you're not uh, invested in this in terms of covering it, the draft. But I have to snicker, last comment. I, I love these keyboard warriors that couldn't even play in a beer league, and they're laughing at Shane Wright because he didn't go first, he went fourth. I mean, you're still the fourth best player picked in a draft, in a in a professional draft. It's an interesting world, isn't it, Arash? It really is. Who went one, two, Ballsy? I missed it. Um, the uh, Help me out, Zinger, with the names again. Slavkovsky yeah. went number one yeah. to the Montreal Canadiens, and, and then Nemec. number two was Nemec. Nemec yeah. went number two, and then Cooley went three. And then we just had a, our first Saskatchewan kid go. Kevin Korczynski from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Saskatoon boy, went to the Chicago nice. Blackhawks, number seven. So, yeah. And I, I asked because Nemec, a buddy of mine, yeah. got 100-1 to one on Nemec to go first overall. Well, that's close. And when you said right went four, I'm like, wait a minute. Is, yeah. Is my buddy Ryan buying dinner next week? But I don't think Ryan's buying dinner next no, week. No, he's not. But I am when you come for the Grey Cup, man. Thanks for your time. I, I appreciate it. it Take care, man. Thanks. When we when we come back, we'll talk about the U16 football championship. Saskatchewan won, beating BC. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Wrapping up the show in fine style, we are going to talk about... Football! U16 football, Michael Ball here in the big chair, and we're joined by our friend Dave Roberts, who is a coach with Melford, out in Melford, but he is coaching this football team that won the U16 championship out in BC. How are you today, Dave? Very good, Michael, very good. I'm pleasure to be on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Give my listeners a bit of a background in terms of your coaching. What, like, what qualified you to be the head coach of this U16 championship team? Well, I was selected uh, by Football Saskatchewan to lead the team. Um, I've been the head coach of the Melford Comets since, uh, I guess, 2002. Won three provincial championships. I played for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies back in the 90s and won a Vanier Cup. And I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity to uh, coach Team Saskatchewan. Talk about how great Saskatchewan is. We definitely pump, uh, punch pardon me, above our weight class when it comes to these football tournaments, U16, U18. Uh, and then a lot of our Saskatchewan kids go and play in, uh, in Canada Cups and things. Even our uh, U, uh, what is it, U18 Women's Championship, Saskatchewan's kicking some butt here. I think we're in the gold medal game on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you bet we are, um, and we always do. I think it has a lot to do with the coaches and the players that we have in Saskatchewan. I'm always happy to work with the coaches that I have a chance to work with. I have a great bunch of coaches and assistants that help with our develop our players. Um, our players, Saskatchewan has more football per capita than anywhere else in North America except for Texas, and I think that has a lot to do with it when you look at the 6-, 9-, and 12-man programs that are available in our province to our players. And I think a lot of it has to do with perhaps a Saskatchewan brand of football. Um, we're never the biggest province in terms of people, 
we're usually never the biggest province in terms of players, but we come out there and play a style of football and we play with an intensity of football that I think a lot of provinces would love to emulate. This is Dave Roberts, head coach of the U16 football team that just won the championship beating BC. Tell us about that gold medal game. I think, what was it, 22-10 if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it was 22-10. You know, BC was a really good football team. They had lots of team speed, um, and they came out with a pretty good game plan. They played a little different defense than anybody else has in the tournament in uh, 34 um, that team speed gave us some uh, some problems on offense. We had a little trouble moving the ball at times. Um, and But our defense was really kind of the heart of our team, and we knew going into the game and throughout the tournament that so long as we limited our mistakes on offense, and we knew our defense would come up and play well for us, and they sure did. So tell us about some of the players maybe that turned some heads and uh, helped you guys uh, get that gold medal around your neck. Um, well, we had... Um, Sullivan Smith-Windsor from Prince Albert. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good wide receiver. He had some catches in the tournament, and he was the MVP or the offensive MVP of Team Saskatchewan in our first game. Uh, Logan Pipko, another receiver, he was uh, their, the offensive MVP for the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, we had Nitro Ice Hanna, and he uh, turned some heads with his play as a linebacker. Um, we also had some really good play in our defensive secondary from A.J. Ward, who was at safety, and Liam Platt, who was also a defensive back. And, and um, uh, Struthers was one of our linebackers, Keenan Struthers, and, and he had some really good plays, especially against Manitoba, who had a, a really big running back who, who brought the who brought the thunder, and, and Struthers and the defense did a really good job containing him in the first game. So how 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 was the player change from when you first started coaching? The the level of athlete, their IQ, their athleticism? Um, you know, I think a lot of it is that they're getting better, um, and they're continually improving. You know, like, between the, the cities now and the opportunities for more football, especially with the spring football you know, RMF one runs its big spring league in Regina there. Saskatoon runs their academy. Um, but overall, I think there's a lot more football being played in the spring and throughout the year in Saskatchewan than there traditionally is. And so you're seeing those players just continually improve. You know, the, the quality of the U16 player is, is probably now where the U18 player was, you know, five or six years ago. And we just see those kids kind of continue to develop as they get more and more I think better coaching, uh, better development, and more focus on being better athletes. We've got the U18s coming up now, and then the Futures game, so the future does look bright here in Saskatchewan, and it is because of this guy here, one of the great coaches at the amateur level, Dave Roberts, the uh, coach out in Melfort, but was the head of the U16 championship team, Team Saskatchewan, winning the thing again. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. I appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you. Dave Roberts, good job to him, his coaching staff, and the boys for bringing home the gold. So can you help me out, Zinger? You're my producer here. I'm looking it up on my phone. I couldn't find it. Mm. So is Team Saskatchewan in the running for the gold at the U18 women's? Do you know? Yeah, I believe uh, I believe they're playing in the... Here, I'll look it up Can for you, you look it up well. for me for a second Because they're, they're demolishing everyone. Yeah, and the top two teams that's at what the I end thought. of the round robin play in the gold medal game Yeah, and on it's the weekend, a full so. game. These were yeah. short, uh, like one-half games, but this is a full game that's going to be taking place at Mosaic Stadium on Saturday night. So you can watch Rough Rider football and then watch a national championship female style on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you can find that before we go off the air. Watching the draft here, Kevin Korchinski of the... um, 
of the city of Saskatoon. Seattle Thunderbird went seventh overall to Chicago. Slavkovsky went number one uh, overall as uh, he was taken by the Montreal Canadiens. Then uh, Simon Nemich, uh, he went number two to the New Jersey Devils. Logan Cooley went number three to Arizona. And then Shane Wright, who was supposed to be number one on many boards, went number four to the Seattle Kraken. So there you go. Did you find it? Yeah, so uh, they don't have the site updated here, but oh. it says that uh, first place versus second place yeah. play in the gold medal game on Saturday. And as far as I can see, that would be uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah, okay. Take so it on whoever. And that's the other thing. We need to really promote these athletes, so we got to update these websites. I'm just yep. going to call out the website person there. Do want to remind you that this was just announced too. A Prairie Cup challenge between the U of S and the U of R. It's on a point system based uh, on five different sports. Football, hockey, soccer, basketball, and volleyball. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. There are 22 competitions that have a point system, and whichever uh, university has more points winning these different events, different sporting events, will uh, be the winner of the U Prairie Challenge between the U of S and the U of R. It starts with uh, football, actually, Mosaic Stadium. Uh, on September the 17th, Huskies and Rams. That will do it for our show. We have no sports cage tomorrow because it's the Riders. We got a half hour oh, do edition. We? Yep. 4 to 4.30. Are you doing it? Uh, yours truly will be doing it. And uh, I got a surprise special guest joining me tomorrow at 4 o'clock. He's a former Saskatchewan Rough Are you trying rider. to take my job? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to do? Hey man, you weren't even gonna give me a nice little plug. I got I forgot. Th- I, I got a half hour show coming up. Dude, tomorrow. I got renovations at home. I got a son in visiting. I gotta get ready for a game. It's just ridiculous. Over here, over there, over there. Anyway, zinger in from four to four thirty tomorrow. Then our pregame show with Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, and Wes Cates, four thirty to uh six thirty. Then I'll join you in the booth with Luke Muller, six thirty to seven thirty, and a kickoff riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks just after seven thirty. Tonight there's CFL football, Calgary and Edmonton. And it's just three games this week. BC and Winnipeg wrap up the week of football. Until tomorrow, talk to you later. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca